0: Hello and welcome to another podcast presented by the Medical Council of New South Wales. This episode is about helping doctors find the support they need to manage burnout and maintain good mental health. Your host for this podcast, Dr Martine Walker, a GP and long-term hearing member and medical advisor for the Medical Council of New South Wales.
1: Hi, I'm Dr Martine Walker. Today we're joined by two special guests to discuss the unique risk factors that make medical practitioners vulnerable to burnout and what we can do to protect ourselves. Associate Professor Leanne Rowe is a general practitioner, she's former RSDGP chair, a writer, a mental health advocate for the profession and she's also the co-author of the book Every Doctor, Healthier Doctors Equals Healthier Patients, which gives practical solutions to the challenges we face as doctors. Dr Peter Baldwin is a clinical psychologist and clinical research fellow at the Black Dog Institute in Sydney. He's been pretty busy in the past 18 months developing and co-leading the Essential Network, which is a digital-first mental health solution for all Australian healthcare workers during COVID-19. Thank you both for joining me today. Hi, Martin.
2: Hi, Martin. Thanks for having us.
1: I think we'd all agree that COVID-19 has made the last two years very challenging for doctors. But being a doctor has always been pretty challenging. Leanne, what makes doctors vulnerable to poor mental health?
3: Yeah, Martina, it's complex. But firstly, I'd really like to acknowledge the prolonged extreme pressures that have been on doctors during the pandemic, but also uh, convey the positive message that there's a lot that we can do if we confront these pressures and find solutions together, not only in terms of individual self-care and caring for our colleagues, but also by creating a caring workplace culture. So I'd just like to start with that point first. But I also would like to make the obvious point that doctors, of course, have the same risk factors for mental health problems as the rest of the general population. So unsurprisingly, doctors have, family histories of mental illness, alcohol and substance misuse, chronic illness, negative life experiences and relationships and and sometimes histories of family violence, suicide and child abuse. So these histories can be triggered when doctors are caring for their own patients with these common problems. And in addition to this, uh, we often have perfectionist, self-critical, hyper-vigilant and task oriented personality traits that make us great doctors but can also put us at risk of failing our own impossible expectations. And when doctors become aware that these personality traits can also be strengths as well as vulnerabilities, they can actually allow themselves to set healthy boundaries and become stronger through adversity. So I think it's really important to acknowledge all these complex predisposing issues. But also I wanted to emphasise that through the pandemic, many doctors have really faced impossible demands and prolonged workplace stress. And this is, you know, that many doctors are continuing to care for patients with COVID-19 and working excessive hours. They fear becoming infected with the virus and infecting their family and friends. They're experiencing the physical impact of wearing PPE and also complying with the onerous but of course necessary infection control measures and then in addition many of us are dealing with distressed patients who have not coped well with lockdowns with high rates of mental illness unemployment financial issues and as a consequence many patients of our patients are displaying uncharacteristic anger but also our teams are exhausted and so you know we need to confront this so that we can work together to find solutions.
1: I agree And one of the things that I've seen amongst my friends was that fear of taking COVID home and infecting family members, it's a really onerous risk and onerous responsibility I think
3: and it's a justified fear isn't it and w- recently we've seen uncertainty surrounding booster doses of vaccines for health workers and you know that, that was the time Where I think health workers were facing really enormous fears for their own safety, and it, it, I, I believe it's
1: quite justified. And, Peter, from your research, is there anything else you'd like to add?
2: Yes, yeah, so I totally agree with a lot of what Leanne said about those predisposing factors. We see all of those in our research. There certainly seems to be, you know, aspects of the culture that really do praise and reward working excessive hours working past limits and there's certainly this myth of the superhuman doctor, the superhuman health professional that seems to be part of the culture but also part of the community so there are expectations that doctors are actually superhuman. But certainly, you know, some aspects of culture that aren't always as as kind and caring as the doctors themselves, certainly parts of medical training that seem to make doctors very vulnerable to mental health and certainly some of the bullying that, that we've certainly heard about in service and also in our research, certainly that would make anyone vulnerable to mental health, really.
1: Yeah. Historically, we know that doctors find it difficult to seek treatment for mental health. Why do you think that's the case, Leanne?
3: Yeah, I think that unfortunately it's common for medical workplaces to have an unhelpful stigma that deters doctors from seeking help for mental health concerns. So many doctors fear breaches of confidentiality and career repercussions. Unfortunately mental illness seems to be still viewed as a weakness, you know, rather than a medical condition. And I think that's deterring many doctors from seeking help. But also many have unjustified fears about mandatory reporting. So I think we need to do much more about clearing up with the profession when to make a notification and so that we can put that fear aside.
1: Fear of mandatory notification I think is understandable. We need to let the profession know that it's in pretty dire circumstances that you need to be mandatorily notified. And and I think if you're a doctor dealing with another healthcare worker who, who you have concerns about, it's really useful to consider that as not a decision you have to make on your own, but to maybe talk to your medical indemnity provider or talk to uh, your local health regulator, like in New South Wales, the medical council, about what requires notification, because that risk to the public aspect is is the most important aspect when you're considering whether someone needs to be notified.
3: Absolutely. So to be clear, doctors who are uh, at risk of placing the public at um, harm, you know, because of an impairment, and it has to be a serious impairment for a treating doctor to really consider mandatory reporting. You know, I think we need to reassure doctors who are. Seeking treatment, who are taking a break, you know, if they're finding things difficult at work, they don't require reporting. A notification is not required in that circumstance. But if the public is at substantial risk of harm, of course, mandatory reporting needs to be considered. But I would argue, like you, Martin, that should never be a decision that an individual doctor makes alone. I think it always requires consultation with colleagues and really there needs to be sufficient grounds and solid evidence and also there needs to be a reasonable belief that the doctor is at substantial risk of causing harm. And really that requires a complex psychiatric assessment, including the level of insight by the doctor and the effectiveness of any mental health treatment and whether the practitioner requires time off work to recover. So this is a complex clinical assessment rather than a legal assessment.
1: Definitely. Acknowledging that you know this is a, a one-in-a-century difficult time for doctors, what are the things that we as doctors can do to help each other through this period?
3: I think we need, firstly, to create more opportunities for routine debriefing and mutual support in and outside of our workplaces. So I think that what has happened during the pandemic is that doctors have had to isolate themselves. Sometimes they can't enter staff rooms they don't catch up for breakfast, you know, after night shifts together, that there are fewer opportunities to catch up on an informal basis for debriefing. So I think we need to make a concerted effort to create those opportunities. But I, I think the other thing is, Martine, that during the pandemic, we're actually, we're accepting that mental health issues in doctors are actually common and justified, that we can actually normalise help seeking amongst our colleagues. And doctors like other patients at risk of mental health problems require routine mental health screening, early intervention for any problems, and then optimal evidence-based treatment, mental health treatment if they run into problems. And also I'd like to emphasize postvention. You know, after any traumatic experience, I think we need to create opportunities for postvention and debriefing and particularly at this time with the pandemic as it's ongoing and now is the time for each of us to develop a really trusted relationship with a caring independent GP not one at work not one in the workplace but an independent GP psychologist or psychiatrist and also I'd like to emphasize the doctors the doctors network which is the health advisory and referral service offering independent safe and supportive confidential advice for doctors and medical students and Really, there are a myriad of clinical services for doctors, particularly via telehealth, and we know how to access those services. We, we need to take our own advice and to use those services. So I think there's a great opportunity for all of us to normalise what we're experiencing and, that, you know, it's just a routine part of practice to have your own independent hearing GP who you can debrief with and talk to about the, all the myriad of issues that we're all facing at the moment.
1: And hopefully your GP will have their own GP as well that they can debrief to. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. I must say, I'm, I'm a member of, of a couple of WhatsApp groups and they have just been so useful during this period, particularly because we haven't been able to see each other. We've been able to see the doctors that we work with, but but our mates, perhaps our medical mates that are outside of our practice that we weren't able to see during lockdown. And just to have that little WhatsApp group and you ask each other clinical questions, but also just share jokes and also just debrief when you've had a, a really difficult consultation or a how do I manage this consultation. I've just found my little WhatsApp group so valuable. Peter, can you tell us about the Essential Network?
2: So the Essential Network, or, or TEN for short as we call it, was something that was developed in response to the pandemic. So we and the federal government who fund TEN knew that it was going to be a really tough time for health professionals. But all of our experience really told us that we were going to need something unique and custom. So what we did was we sort of set about creating a service that focused on what we knew health professionals would need and want because where all of us on the 10D are health professionals. So people come through the website, it's a digital portal with lots of digital resources. But you know, from the feedback that we got from people like the AMA and the, the colleges of, of general practitioners and psychiatrists was that people are gonna want some person-to-person contact as well. There are options there for people to do their own sort of self-guided um, online treatment to reach out to peers and network with peers. Um, but also there's a clinical service attached to it. So people can get five free uh, sessions with either a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist. And it's all completely separate from Medicare. It's completely separate from any employee assistance program. And, you know, all of us very, very passionate about guarding confidentiality. So that's how it all came about.
1: You must be seeing that the pandemic had an impact on doctors' mental health. What, what are you seeing?
2: We're seeing a lot of stress. We're certainly seeing the word burnout used multiple times a day. So, you know, this podcast is very, very relevant. But certainly a range of things. So, not just, you know, stresses at work, but stresses at home, financial stresses, you know, um, doctors in private practice, but also business owners. So, they've got a lot of responsibility there. A range of things from, you know, people with developing anxiety symptoms, particularly panic symptoms, working in full PPE, place a real strain on. On the body and mind, and then all the way through to things like increased drug and alcohol use, post traumatic stress disorder, uh, relationship breakdown you name it. We've seen a lot, a really wide range of things on the service. And so I think that argument that the pandemic really hasn't had too much of an impact on doctors or their, you know, it's just what they do. You know the argument just isn't there. It's it's not just what doctors do. It's been well over and above what doctors do, and they've been rising to the challenge day after day, week, week after week, and that's got to take a toll.
1: Burnout is a term that's often used. What's your definition of the term burnout?
2: Yes, I think burnout's an interesting one. Where you know if you ask ten different experts, you'll get ten different answers. But we take a, a no nonsense approach to it. On ten, we use a a tool that just you know categorizes it in terms of two things. So the first one is exhaustion, physical and mental exhaustion, and then that second factor is disengagement. So either you know not being as engaged or involved or connected to your work as you used to be, or you'd like to be, or actively avoiding, so finding reasons not to talk to particular colleagues, see particular patients, or, or finding reasons not to go to work. So that's how we look at burnout on ten.
1: Leanne. No. What are your thoughts about the term burnout?
3: I think burnout's really common and I like to think of it as a combination of exhaustion and loss of well-being due to workplace stress. But also it often leads to reduced professional efficacy and also a feeling of a lessening of caring about others is a common feature of burnout. I would actually highly recommend the book by Professor Gordon Parker and his colleagues on Burnout, it's an excellent, comprehensive book outlines how to identify burnout and what to do about it. And it's a complex issue, so it's not possible for me to go through all of the really important aspects in a few minutes. So yes, I'd highly recommend that book.
1: It's hard, isn't it, if burnout is characterised by sort of a reduction in care of other people when you're working in a caring profession and, and you have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to make important clinical decisions about patients it it puts patients at risk.
3: Absolutely so we can't provide the best medical care to our patients if we're burnt out it's really important to identify it but clearly to talk to other people about it and not shoulder it alone I think that uh, you know there are many predisposing factors for burnout and people who have perfectionist traits and those who are sensitive to the opinions of others are more prone to burnout but I'd like to make the comment that actually that means the whole medical profession, you know, is, is predisposed to burnout. We're, we're actually trained to identify the negative in our work and to be risk-adverse, you know, that's part of being a good doctor as well. But it's really difficult to switch off these traits after work. And But if we can be more self-aware, I think that
1: can help a great deal. Mm. And Peter, what are your thoughts about people who are more susceptible to burnout?
2: Yeah, I think that certainly some of the stuff that we've talked about today, in terms of what attracts doctors into the profession, in terms of having very high standards, being highly intelligent and rigorous, uh, and very detail focused, are real strengths. But they can turn into, you know, things that push people past their limits. And I think having that aspect of it that really does want to go that extra mile can lead to going that extra mile one time too often and things start to slip in other areas of your life. But also I think, you know, as I mentioned before, this myth that health professionals and doctors are somehow superhuman places, a lot of pressure on doctors to rise to that, to live up to that standard. When, of course, none of us none of us can in the health profession, we're all human beings. But there's that constant pressure there to keep going, work harder, more hours with fewer resources. And if you fall short of it, that expectation, you know, that question hovers in the background, would well, you really belong you, do you really sort of fit in there if you got what it takes? So I think a lot of people are pushing themselves past their boundaries because, A, they really care and they're really good clinicians. B, also there is this expectation in our culture and in our community that we do that. That's just part of the job. You know, as health professionals, we're really susceptible to burnout because those are the key ingredients.
1: Often in those roles that we have at work, we also take home with us. And, and often our families have the same expectations of us as our patients do.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more there. I think it's, they're just part of who we are and that's how we live our lives. You know, it's almost a superpower, the extent to which they can care, how much they can get done in a day, the amount, the diversity of skills that they have. But you're absolutely right. There's different areas in our lives where, you know, we set this by a very high standard and then other people expect us to be able to meet it with, you know, absolute, you know, sort of grace and, and, and kindness and caring infinitely and constantly. And then we end up in a situation where we're not allowed to be a human being. We're not allowed to have times where we, you know, we struggle to summon the care and compassion that we might like. We need a break. We need holidays. Uh, we need time for ourselves. All of those sorts of things. And then in that situation, I think other people struggle to give us permission to do that. But you know, we struggle as health professionals to give ourselves permission to do that.
1: As we said before, often we're our own worst enemy.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more there.
1: What signs should we be aware of in ourselves and also in our peers?
2: I think to keep it easy for people who are listening if they want, just to think of those two things that I mentioned earlier. So think about are you feeling exhausted physically or mentally? Are there things that you are either pushing your body or your mind to do that would normally come much easier for you? And then also that other side, that disengagement, Are you waking up in the morning and looking at your patient list and thinking, I just can't talk to these people today? Or are you sitting in consults and thinking, well, you know, normally I'd really lean into this and really try and understand this person or show more support, but I just, I can't muster it today. I just don't have the resources. If you're noticing those things or you're noticing them in in peers, it's a really good information for you. Certainly not that you don't belong or that you're a bad healthcare professional, doesn't mean that what it does mean is that it's probably time to take some time out focus a little bit more on the things that we do to sustain our wellbeing, and certainly you know talk to your peers about it I think you know the sense that I've got is that some doctors are a bit reluctant to talk about burnout with their peers because they feel they're the only ones experiencing it. you know I think if we invited every doctor experiencing burnout in the country to come together, we would be able to feel stadium. Everyone is feeling like this. So talk about it and then as Leanne mentioned, you know, if you feel like it's going on for too long, it's affecting you or the work that you're doing, don't be afraid to talk to a mental health professional. You know, we're health professionals yeah. ourselves, so we know exactly what you're talking about. You know, there are ways of managing burnout and turning that that ship around. So the help really is there if you need it. In services like 10, and things like Doctors for Doctors and and other avenues as well.
1: Leanne, when it comes to self-care, what do you think doctors need to do more of? We need to take
3: more of our own advice, and I'm included in that. I think we know what to do. We just need to do it sometimes, and I'm convinced that simple things may work, focusing on relationships, relaxation, uh, healthy exercise, mindfulness, cognitive behavioural strategies. You know, the importance of taking time out, seeking mutual support from peers and then trying to manage our workload by delegating to others. You know We know all of those things but I think I'd also like to make the point that we also need to work together to advocate for a kinder, fairer medical workplace. So I think a medical career has never been more challenging and more complex and unfortunately, instead of being supportive, sometimes we have a really harsh medical culture. So if we're recommending information about resilience and self-care to doctors who are facing really complex issues at work like bullying or harassment or discrimination or, or doctors are facing patient complaints or medico-legal action, I mean, it's clearly not enough. Clearly not enough. So, you know, individual self-care strategies won't work in those situations but I believe we can co-create a safe and fair and kind workplace culture which is free from stigma but this really requires medical leadership and I think we all need to step up to that challenge.
1: Mm, And perhaps it, it takes a crisis like this to really make us realise that what we need to do and what we need to change.
3: As you mentioned in my intro, I wrote a book called Every Doctor with Professor Michael Kidd, on promoting you know healthier workplaces and healthier approaches to self-care, and that was published before the pandemic. And now Professor Michael Kidd and I are working on the second edition coming out of the pandemic. And I've learned so much during the pandemic about my own self-care and and also learning from colleagues about what works for them and perhaps. If I may, I'd just like to make an additional point to anyone who's listening who is feeling a bit burnt out and just reassure them, please use your precious time off well. Sometimes simple rest is enough, but when it's not, please think and practice self-compassion and self-protection. I try to remember that idleness and slowing down is really good for me. You know, it's actually really hard to do after you've had a a really stressful time at work when your stress hormones are really high and it's hard to sort of wait for those hormones to settle down and to sort of ride with it. That idleness and being actually bored is good for you. I also find it really helps to write on a blank piece of paper all the issues and concerns that I'm worried about and when I actually look at my blank piece of paper, it's usually full of things that have been in the back of my mind and I reassure myself, well, no wonder I feel a bit burnt out because I've had to deal with so many challenges. And then what I do is I identify the things that I can influence and I really focus and prioritize those things. But the things that I can't influence, I try to let go and I find it really helps to just focus on the positive rather than the negative but also to be really proactive about seeking relationships that are really mutually supportive and spending time with people that we love. I think we need to give priority to that rather than passively accepting every social, you know, particularly as they're coming out of the pandemic with a lot of, you know, invitations for social functions and so on. I mean, I'm very discerning about what I accept coming out of the pandemic and I really want to prioritize my relationships with people who really mutually support me and energise me. But finally, team, just if burnout persists after having a real rest, you know, please seek assistance from your own GP because you might be experiencing trauma or anxiety or depression. And as we all know, self-diagnosis is never accurate. So please seek, you know, professional assessment and also evidence-based mental health treatment I can't emphasise this enough that we don't need to battle on a line that we can seek confidential caring support from a colleague and this is really critical if we're to address many of the challenges that we're facing.
1: Peter and Leanne from what we've said today the takeaways are that as doctors we face unique risks and we really need to be vigilant with our self-care That it's important for us to have our own GP and that we seek support when we need it. And finally, that it's only serious health conditions that are placing the public at risk that require mandatory reporting and that in most situations there wouldn't be no requirement for a mandatory reporting. Professor Rowe and Dr Baldwin, thank you for sharing your insights and experience with us today.
2: that's my pleasure.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thank you so much, Martin.
0: If you'd like to find out more about any of the information discussed in this podcast, you can access various links and resources in the episode description box located right here on your podcast player, including the book by Professor Leanne Rowe, Every Doctor, Healthier Doctors Equals Healthier Patients, as well as the webpage for the Essential Network for Health Professionals. To contact the Medical Council of New South Wales, visit their website, mcnsw.org.au. you can also subscribe and hear more podcasts from the Medical Council of New South Wales via Wooshka, Apple Music, Spotify or wherever you enjoy your podcasts.